and welcome back to the Not For Profits podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Trina Parham. I'm David Devon. And we are two seasoned black nonprofit professionals. And over here, we spill the tea on the nonprofit industry and as it impacts black leaders. We talk about the behind the scenes of the nonprofits, uh, how the sausage is made. We get into all of that in this podcast. And um, today we're talking about vampire bosses and bad bosses. So David, why don't you kick us off with your definition of vampire bosses and yeah, we'll, we'll go from there. <laughs> so yeah, I was actually um, talking with a peer, a colleague um, who had a very similar experience with me, and we were talking about all the traits of things that had, that had come up with some of our experiences. And we we're like, you know what? Vampire Boss is a good name. And, and the reason why we say it is that, you know, I don't know how many of you, you know, have seen, you know, Interview with a Vampire, maybe watch Tr- True Blood, you know, or just, you know, understand the, the mythology around this. But, you know, there's an element of the person being out for themselves um, the person being very draining of the people around them. So literally like sucking the blood <laughs> of the, the people in order to survive. Um, that, that is a part of it. And then there's also like the glamoring piece. And I don't know how many of you know about this, but there's that whole aspect of, you know, they, they come to your door, you know, they basically hypnotize you to let them in because you have to invite them in that there's an element of them where they make it seem as though they're fine, they're unassuming, they're safe. Only, you know, you know, unbeknownst to you later, you are going to become a meal. Um, and then another part of this is, it's, you know, and this is more an interview with the vampire. I know this is getting very specific. <laughs> but uh, there's always this promise, too, of, like, them making you one of them. So, like, I have a process where if I do this, I do that you can become, you know, basically live forever like me. Get the privileges that I have, get this, get that. And as you see in those stories, they do that with a few people, but most of the people are just meals and that's it. Mm -hmm. So that's why we came up with this name, just because there's so many of those elements that showed up in the ways in which we interacted with really challenging and bad bosses. Um. But yeah, so that's that's vampire bosses. So this this is interesting. Um, so David and I actually haven't talked in depth or really talked about this vampire boss idea. And the today I think we're gonna delve into vampire bosses and bad bosses um, because I haven't really had an experience with a vampire boss based mm-hmm. on that definition. Um, I've never had a boss sort of take me in in that way of me thinking or them thinking I was somehow going to be like them or they were going to feed off me in some way that eventually turned them into a, which makes them a horrible, horrible boss. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I haven't had that experience that I can think of. Mm. And part of it is I, I think I've always been so individuated at work that I'm not sure if that's even the right word, but um, so I haven't had that experience of someone sort of taking me in to really take from me. Mm. Um, now, certainly I've been taken from in other ways, but not in that specific circumstance. Okay. So, yeah. So how do you think about like the traits or just kind of that overall uh, bad boss? So for me, oh, so many. It's like <laughs> I wish I I'm not naming names. 
But I, I think for me, the ultimate, um, when I think of bad bosses, I think of boss that bosses that don't give you, basically trust you to do your job. Mm-hmm. Bosses that try to sabotage you for whatever reason. Bosses that make um, decisions about your livelihood, whether it is a promotion or a raise. Um, they make those decisions based on personality or they make it personal in some way. And I think bosses that, um, I, I think those are the, the real highlights or bosses that really just stress you out for no reason. Or they, they target you because you don't act the way they think you ought to act um, personally. Okay. And so they make it, and so that you get targeted in that way. I would also say, um, bosses who hold you back, who deliberately hold you back. Mm. So there's something about you that they either feel threatened by or they feel like maybe you'll do it better than them or you're shining more than them. And so they take that to heart. They take it personally and then they target you. Yes. So I think all of those all of those things um, make a bad boss. And there's so much more we could say. I, I, I think for some people too, a bad boss can also be a boss that either micromanages or doesn't give any type of guidance at all. And yes. sometimes it can be those extremes where they'll just throw you in there. And if you swim, you swim. And if you don't, you don't. And then you're fired. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and just adding on to those traits, Um, I've also definitely experienced that kind of no guidance, high expectations or like extreme micromanagement to the point that you're supposed to basically think and write and do things exactly the way they would be doing them, which is like we're not, you know, cloning you as a person, boss, where you're managing people who have their own skills, their own abilities, their own voice and there are many ways to do something in a way that can be effective. Um, Absolutely. So that that kind of piece, the micromanagement, the gaslighting for performance. So that's something that in many jobs I've experienced where you talk to staff across the board, where they're like, I'm getting pretty good performance reviews. The client community seems happy, but I feel like I'm not doing well. Mm. <laughs> so there's just that like consistent, like keeping you just like, know, the carrot being out there and you're just constantly trying to run and, and reach it, but it's always out of reach. Um, kind of moving the target. Yes, that, that happens a lot. So we need to do this. We need to do that. Then a week later, actually, no, scrap it. We need to do this other thing or, you know, like that sort of stuff that would just be so demoralizing and very, very hard as a leader of people to then manage a team who's having to deal with that. The playing favorites as well, like thinking about race, class, all of these Another things where one. you can see, literally see like you are treating this other person so differently than, than this other than this person of color or however the other person identifies. It's like so blatant, but yet there's always an excuse. There's always an explanation and a reason for it. Um, seeking uh, kind of undue kind of attention uh, and validation through their colleagues. So it's like, we are not here 
to validate your every part of your being as a person, boss. (laughs) We are here to execute on your vision, get the work done, you know, do collaborate well with our peers, et cetera, et cetera. We're not here to um, help to support uh, whatever that week or that month may be the kind of insecurity or whatever it is. Um, and then the other piece that that's a number of people have been talking a lot about, especially as it relates to these conversations around racial justice and social justice is people that have done their reading or done a little bit of work as it relates to these issues and just come with this attitude of, I get it. Oh, I get it. You know, I've been reading this or my friend experienced this or I experienced that. And then they like actually don't act on your behalf. So it's like you need something. You need them to step up for you. You need them to support something you see as critical. And they just share with you that they understand. (laughs) And I would tag on to that when they weaponize liberatory language against you. Mm -hmm. And that happened so often. So um, where you work, an organization might bring in an anti-bias training or an anti-racist training, and they just figure out how to use the language, the words, the vocabulary to manipulate you or the situation or the circumstance. Mm-hmm. And so I think that definitely makes a bad boss. I wanted to go back to the vampire boss for a minute because it's a very interesting idea, and it reminds me of that um, that going from pet to threat sort of concept and it also sounds almost a little romantic or fantastical when you think about the way you described a vampire boss like they're they're sort of luring you in Mm -hmm. in some ways to mold you in the way that they want you to be or to Something like that. It, it just sounds, it seems very like, um, almost like a cult leader. <laughs> like It's kind of like they're trying to bring you in to drink their Kool-Aid. Yeah. And yeah. then if you, hopefully you see it before you, before you take a sip and it takes you out. Right. Yeah. But that's, that's what it seems like to me. Yeah. That, that there can be to that cult, like the cult of personality sort of thing. Absolutely. Or, you know, in, in these sorts of situations, as, as we've talked about, like, when you're meeting the person, this is not apparent. <laughs> it's more like, oh, like they're being super supportive. They're saying the right things. They're doing this. Of course, looking back on it, there's always like those warning signs that now um, being a little bit more seasoned, I'm more aware of. But they never show up in the beginning as like, wow, this is someone I need to be mindful and watch out for. And then it's this like slow or sometimes kind of rapid of like I'm doing, I'm taking certain strategies to make you feel beholden to me. So Mm. I'm the only one who really cares about people like you here, or I'm the one who's actually about this work and other people are not, or um, realizing like, oh, I'm being really hard on this person. I, I have enough understanding of like, I can't keep pushing them in this way. So I'm going to move the target to the next person for a while and give them some reprieve, a little bit of space. I'm going to. So in in yeah. that, I I hear maybe you have a, a white boss, let's say, mm-hmm. who um, thinks they understand racial justice mm-hmm. or thinks they understand the plight of the communities they're serving. And so them then turning around to you and saying, well, I'm the only one 
here amongst all these other white people that actually gets this. Yes. And so how then do you then feel like, well, I can't turn to them or they won't get it. They won't see it from my perspective. And then does that isolate you from those other people? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing that's so funny about it is in my experience, it was this weird mix where there would be all of those things of like, you know, these people don't care. You know, I'm the one who does, you know, me and this small group, we're the ones, but then consistently making excuses for the other people who are other leaders in the organization who are not bringing this language and don't care about this work of like, Oh, you know, they're fine. Like, you know, they just, they're doing their thing. There's no harm. They're doing this, they're doing that. Um, so it was, it was always, there was, and maybe there was something about being so inconsistent that made it harder to pin them down <laughs> to be like, Oh, this is how you're up. This is dangerous. I need to get away. That, that, that when you look back on it was more apparent. And the other thing that, that, in my experience, this sort of person always has, and again, more root movie references, there's always like an Iago. You know, there's like Jafar, <laughs> they're the vampire, but they're doing their thing. And then there's someone who's like, you know, the parrot repeating it, going all around, making sure that people are doing what they need to do, being like, oh, yeah, you know, sometimes they're a challenge, but this work is so important. We're going to be supportive. Let me help you out with this. Let me help you out with that. Um, where it does just become this like very, um, uh, very insular, you know, to a level abusive, inconsistent, um, and just all like all the 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 things that you'd think about when it relates to convincing someone that like this is the way that things should be done, even though they're feeling like something's wrong here. Mm. Um, that just yeah so. So that was like the the kind of glamoring piece that I was talking about before where it's like, oh, you know, I'm here, I'm there. And yeah, we can we can talk, you know, more about this. But I do want to hear from you as to given what you learned and you experienced, how did that influence the way you wanted to be a boss to your your employees? I think um I I always wanted to be from my experience, I wanted to be as forthcoming as I could be with my staff. So, you know, I never wanted them to um, feel like they didn't know what was going on or like they couldn't come tell me something or if they needed help or if they were struggling with something that, you know, they couldn't have my support or get feedback, um, whether it was just positive feedback or a critique in some way that they needed to improve something. I wanted to have that kind of relationship where it felt like, you know, hey, we're here to do a job. And I assume that you're qualified because you're here. Whether I hired you, if I hired you, then I know. But if I didn't hire you, you were already here and maybe you got transferred to my team or something like that. I'm assuming you know what you're doing. Yes. And I'm not here to, I want to support you and see you grow and see you do this job to the best of your ability. I think that was always, you know, I, I taught, um, I taught an undergraduate class for a while and I always used to say that, Hey, you start this class with an A as far as I'm concerned Mm -hmm. and what you do with that from here on out is totally up to you. (laughs) 
And then, so I, I, I think I tried to depersonalize it. And there are staff that I had who I became friends with, who I was friends with, and but also maintaining that there is a boundary here. And if I have to um, tell you or correct you in some way that I'm going to do it in partnership with you, like I'm not here to, to penalize or, or punish you. I just, I, I never really liked that approach. Mm-hmm. And... I tried to be as objective as possible. And look, we all are subjective in our own ways. And I'm sure I had my own biases. But by and large, I I tried to deal with every person according to their measure and not make it not make it personal. If people told me that they wanted to move around or be promoted, it's like, how can I help you do that? Yeah. If you tell me you want to just stay where you are, but you, you just want more money, how can I help you do that? If you wanted to learn something or do something, if we have money for professional development, how can I help you grow? How can I help you develop? So for me, it wasn't just about them working on my team, but it was about I want to help you grow as an individual, as a professional. And so for me, no matter what the content of the content was of my work, my primary interest was always the people. It was always the people that I was working with, particularly if they, as a leader, and they were on my team. I was more interested and invested in their success and their growth overall. And so that was always the approach that I took. Yes. And so anything outside of that, you know, I felt like could be worked on, but that was really my primary focus. Mm-hmm. And I'll just add, I completely agree with all of that. I'll just add two things that came up with for me consistently. One being, I don't want to, I'm going to do the best I can to not let the toxicity roll downhill. Mm. That was something where that's another bad boss sort of situation where you would consistently get, well, I'm getting this from leadership. So you X, Y, and Z. And, and that's actually the times when I knew I was not showing up well is when I would be transferring that to the team. Mm. I would try my best not to like to kind of filter that um, which is a difficult, you know, middle manager position. And then the other one was, especially thinking about black people, people of color, and this is something that I still struggle with, like fully articulating, wanting um, wanting people to perform to their highest ability and to the standards that I would like to see within the team, but also keeping an eye towards what does that really look like on average across the organization and across the institution, meaning if I'm seeing someone slip up on my team and not doing everything in the way that they could or to the best of their ability, do I target them? Meaning like in, you know, in a profession, meaning you need to improve. This is a performance improvement plan, blah, blah, blah. All the, the options we have available to us when someone is not performing at their best. When I see other people doing the same thing who I usually saw as white within the organization, just getting promoted. So I also had to balance that kind of reality of the standards across the organization, thinking about who was the um, kind of within the inner circle around social identities of who was successful, and then how I would either point out, I'm not going to use target, point out or work with them as it related to their own professional development and how much I would bring to those official performance review, et cetera, sorts of things because I knew that would be more detrimental for that staff of color than it would be for others. I mean, that's such a good point because I think for a lot of black leaders, this is something that you deal with. When, if you have someone on your team who's underperforming, 
and it's a black person or another person of color in a predominantly white organization, and you see that white people who aren't performing as well continue to move ahead, primarily because their boss doesn't put them on a performance improvement plan, or they just keep moving forward and they're they're allowed to do other duties and things that they're good at, or sometimes they're just allowed to socialize, whatever. And you as a black boss feel like, okay, I have to hold this person accountable. We have work we need to get done on this team. And so it, it can be a very hard position to be in. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think a lot of times, I, I like what you said about, okay, this is almost like the unofficial conversation about what's really <laughs> happening. And then there's what I'm going to put on paper. Yes. Yeah. And that can be, and that can be tricky because it can backfire depending on if that person decides to um, go to HR or do something else. And so as a leader, you have to also protect yourself. So it can be very tricky to, to do that with people, to do that dance with people and know that, Look, I, I think sometimes as black people, we, we want to think that we're all like we're on the same gang. You know what I mean? We want to like that's off for back of the day. We, we want to believe that we want to believe that East Coast and West Coast is all together. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like we want to have that. And then I think sometimes though we have to recognize as leaders, though, that we are you're in a different position. You have a lot more power in that position, even though you're dealing with your own struggles with the C-suite, with the board, with colleagues, you know, you're still dealing with a lot of that stuff, but yes, there's, you do have power and say over what happens in this person's career. So how do you navigate that? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing that this connects to is, um, you know, kind of our, our best experiences with a boss or like what are those traits that came up for us beyond what we just said related to who we try to be. Um, and I think of, of my, my experiences were people that um, not like what you said, but like really tell it like it is. So there isn't this, let me influence you into showing up for this initiative, for this project, whatever it is, you know, sell you a bill of goods and then you get there and you're like, what, what the hell is this? Like I tried, you know, people who are very forthright, but also um, this really good mix of critique and mentorship. Mm. So I'm not going to critique you, call things out, all of that stuff. And then you're on your own to figure it out. Right. <laughs> like I'm going to also be, be there with you and say, here's some resources. Here's some ways I've done this in the past. Here's some great people to connect with. I'm going to actually not only point out what I think could be better or what's going wrong, but I'm also going to be a part of supporting your development. That that's something that I really appreciated that, um, again, we want to be realistic that, within some of these nonprofit environments that are not even the resources for the person to be able to show up in that way. Sure. Um, but that's something that was uh, really, really instrumental in my development is having that type of dynamic. I think for me, the best bosses that I've had have given me space to do my work. They've been supportive. They've given me honest feedback 
and they've supported me. If there's something that I needed to work on, that they gave me the resources and the support that I needed to do better. And they gave me a runway to work mm-hmm. because I think sometimes as leaders um, that you you need space to figure things out. And sometimes you don't always do it right. Sometimes you get it wrong. Yes. And I think that the bounce back, the, be able, the, the ability to make a mistake and to come back and know that that's not the end of your career or your job or whatever, like you made a mistake and, hey, we can fix it, you know, that to me was really valuable. And I also, I also think bosses who saw something in me that said yes to going to the next level or trying this new thing or giving, you know, just having the confidence in my ability to know that, hey, I'm going to give this 100% and, and then some, and I'm going to give it my, you know, give it my all, give it my best to be as creative, innovative as possible. And I'm going to make you look good. You know, if yeah. you let me, if you let me rock and do what I do, you know, this only benefits you. And so I think, and also, I would also say bosses who, you know, promoted me, who pushed me to get a raise, who pushed me, you know, who really stood up for me in, in those ways. So that to me were the, the signs of a great boss. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that. And, and it just reminded me too of, even though this is a sort of, you know, a negative way to say, it, but not competing, you know, like not being in that meeting or the zoom call where, you know, Trina, you make a really amazing point, And then I, as your boss, come in like, yeah, you know, and, you know, I've also done that and blah, blah, blah. And let me do this and let me do that. And it's like, why are we competing for this person's attention? Who's on the other side of the screen when we're on the same team, that sort of thing of like continually, continually feeling like you're on the same team. Like when you do well, I do well. Yeah. That when you feel that it's like, it's so important when that shows up um, from a, from a leader. What would you say are the, what happened to you as a result of having bad bosses? Like, how did you, how did you deal with it? Or what was the, the outcome? What did that lead you to as a result of that experience? Yeah, I think a couple things. I think one, like ultra, I was going to say hyper, ultra vigilance. So always being in this place of how do I, um, and we might even talk about a little bit, a little bit in the burnout episode, but how, um, how do I mitigate risks as it relates to a conversation, a project, a work product, um, a collaboration, whatever it is, that so much of my mental energy would be how to avoid the negative as opposed to being excited and leaning into like the innovation and the positive and the possibility. I think the other thing was creating a little community within the organization that was in many ways around validating my reality. I was like, wait, I've been experiencing this. This has been really hard. Are you also experiencing this? And then you kind of go around and realize like, oh, we may not be talking to each other, but once we start talking to each other, we start making sense of this. Um, and you start realizing, wow, this is cons- or like consistent, deliberate, 
okay, wait, you're getting it this week, but I'm not getting it this week. Oh, wait, now I'm getting it again this week. You're not getting it this week. Like that sort of like needing that support and creating that network was really important. Um, which also reminds me somewhere where we worked, where there was someone who said, you know, we can't have employee resource groups because we don't want black people all in a room discovering that the same manager discriminated against them. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, I think that that hypervigilance and the creating of community to be in support are the two things that come up for me. But what about you? Like, what did it, what did it lead to for you? For me, it led me to as much as possible, take the emotion out of it. Mm. And I got to a place where, and we've talked about this before, but where I realized this work environment is my boss's domain and I'm here to execute on their vision. Mm. That set me free because it was like, they're paying me to do whatever their thing is. Yes. And so, yes, I'm going to have my opinions. I'm going to have my thoughts, but this is not my gig. This is not my business and I'm a part of it. And yes, I want to, to see what's best. I think particularly in a nonprofit, you know, you care about the goal, you care about the mission and you want to see it done. At least I wanted to see it done in the best, most efficient way possible. That was actually really going to make change. So yes, I cared about it, but at the same time, realizing that it's only going to go so far and everything is not going to be my way. Mm -hmm. And so that really helped me. So when decisions were made that I didn't necessarily agree with, it was just like, well, okay. Yeah. How can I help you get what you want? Because you're paying me to do that. Yes. But once I walk out that door after my eight hours, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, and there might be some extra time here and there, but by and large. So I, I also got very um, specific and had a lot of boundaries around my time. So, yes. yes, you have access to me. And, yes, I'm here to execute on your vision. But I'm here to execute on your vision until 5 o'clock. <laughs> I don't do extra. I don't do any. Don't, don't ask me to come to this event or do this thing because the answer is no and I'm busy. Yeah. So it's like you get what you pay for. Yeah. You know, that was my that was my experience. And they really I think my experience with so many bad bosses over the years just showed me I'm only going to give you so much of who I am, even though I have a lot of creativity. I have a lot of ideas. If I felt like I was in a place where that wasn't respected or I was even penalized for that. And it's like, well, OK. Yeah. You know, uh, but I'm going to have these very strict parameters around my work and my time. Mm -hmm. So that that's how I dealt with it. And then, you know, eventually starting my own business. So. And it's sad because who it, it's not bad. It's more just like having parameters around how I worked. But I think, you know, when you're younger and you're more energetic and, and not to say that you can't be energetic when you're mid career, but when you're really energetic about the work, I think that type of mentality won't work for you. It can be really bothersome when you want to really expand and grow and spread your ring somewhere, but you're being stifled and you feel like, okay, I can only do so much here. So that can be really hard for some people, but it worked for me. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah. great. That's great. And, um, and yeah, it's just giving me a lot to think about too, with starting my own business as 
I work with contractors, as I eventually have employees. What am I going to put in place for myself? How am I going to remind myself to stay present, aware, you know, not repeat patterns that were, you know, I may have absorbed and not even realized. <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, yeah, but that's, that's a really great way to think about it. And it's hard, and we, we won't have time to really delve into this today, but I think sometimes, um, I think especially for you and I, David, that, you know, there's more um, understanding of, you know, the employee side of things and realize that there are things, though, as a boss and a leader, things that you have to do to protect yourself and that mm-hmm. you have to do to make it work for you too. So, and then what are the implications of that given the, the structures of the power dynamics in that relationship? Yes. So it can be, it can be tricky, but any final thoughts on vampire bosses or bad bosses? Yeah, I would, I would say, you know, definitely if any of these things are resonating, like, Oh yeah, that sounds right. And, you know, just, you know, have some sort of consultative call with, with me or Trina and, you know, depending on the way that you, you know, you have interest and you want to work because you really want to start putting, putting in place this type of mindset around protecting your time, boundary setting, all of those things as soon as possible. Because as you continue down this road and continue to live in the possibility of this could get better, um, you know, you're setting yourself up for some sort of burnout for the, you know, the, the, the full pet to threat cycle, the, as I, you know, kind of call it also the cycle of usefulness <laughs> until you show, show your, your, your true self in terms of boundaries and like, this isn't going to work for me, how quickly you can be discarded. So, um, especially if the role you're in and the resources you're getting from it are important, um, yeah, just to consider support. That's what I'll say. That's great. I think um, what I'll say is ultimately a bad boss, a vampire boss, is not that relationship is not sustainable. And so as you are working and showing up every day, you're wanting to do good work, you're wanting to get paid for that good work, it can be really draining and difficult to continue showing up when you're dealing with that at every turn, every single day. And so I don't have a perfect answer or wrap up, but what I will say is it's not sustainable. And, you know, it's important to find places where you are supportive, where you are supported and your boss has a a growth mindset and wants to see you win and understands that you're all in the same team. Yes. So if anything, I would say that is what you want to look out for. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, everyone, thanks for listening. And um, as David mentioned, you can always reach out to us. Um, we'll have our our um, our information in the show notes. So feel free to reach out if this is something that you're struggling with. And um, that's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone.